May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us, that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. May all the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you rule the peoples justly and guide the nations of the earth. May all the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. Then the land will yield its harvest, and God, our God, will bless us. God will bless us, and all the ends of the earth will fear him. So we're going to be looking at this psalm this morning. And um, the first thing, we're going to work our way through it, and we'll look at the, psalm, at the verse number one. And verse number one, there's a couple of things that I want us to note here. First of all, one of the first things that we learn, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us. Who are we asking? Where does blessing come from? It comes from God. Blessing comes from God. <clears throat> God is the one who has made us, and he is the one who wants to bless us. So from the very start in the Bible story, in Genesis chapter, in the creation story, 1 to 3, God created man, and he blessed him. That's, that's how it, it starts. It begins with God's blessing. And then after man had rebelled and turned away from God, um, Again, God calls Abraham his salvation plan, and God blesses Abraham. So from the very beginning, blessing comes from God, and he is the one who desires to bless us. The problem is that we don't seem to realize that. Even as God's people, we question that and we doubt it. And we think, well, maybe God is holding back on us, like Adam and Eve in the, in the Garden of Eden, when Satan comes up and says, did God really say that? Did God really tell you not to eat that fruit? Oh, you won't die. No, you, you will be blessed if you eat that. You will, you will have extra wisdom. You will become like God. And we think that God is holding back. Or as the prophet Jeremiah says um, in the next slide, Jeremiah 2 verse 13, my people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cistern, broken cisterns that can hold no water. So what do we do? We look for blessing, but instead of turning to God and having blessing in relationship with him, we look for other avenues, other places that we can receive blessing. Could be anything. It could be popularity. Maybe in today's world, it would be how many likes we get on Facebook. Popularity or prosperity, money, wealth, how much, how big a bank book we have. 
It could be the, the nice house that we have or the car that we drive. We look to those things. In our world today, materialism is a big thing. And it's the, the things that we own that we look to for happiness. But ultimately, anything that we look to apart from God is going to be a disillusionment. And it's going to end in frustration. And so the one place that we need to go to is God. He is the one source of blessing. And that's what the psalmist is saying here. And he goes to God. The second thing is that I want us to note from this first verse is who is God asking blessing on? It's not on me. He doesn't say, God bless me. Who does he say bless? Us, right. He says, God be gracious to us and bless us and make your face shine upon us. It's the plural. So the psalmist is recognizing that we are part of a community. We're part of a body here. And it's not an individual, God bless me, but God bless us as a people. And that's where the blessing comes from, on us as God's people, as a community. And unfortunately, many people don't realize that or forget that, if they ever knew it, that we aren't individual believers. We are believers in a body. And God has called us to be a part of that. And so the, the church, his people, is a very important thing, and we need to be, to be a part of that. And blessing comes as we relate to one another. That's why there are so many passages in Scripture that talk about one another. Build up one another. Encourage one another. Confess your sins to one another. All those one another passages just emphasize that idea of the importance of the community, and God wants to bless us as part of that community. Well, the author of Psalm 67 recognized that God was the source of blessing and that blessing comes to us in relationship with him as part of that community. Now, the next question is, why does the psalmist want blessing? And you probably say, well, that's a stupid question. Everybody wants blessing, which is true. Everybody wants blessing. But why does the psalmist say he wants blessing? Well, let's go on. Next, verse 2, that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. Now, that's not what we expect. It's not, oh, that I can lead a nice, peaceful, happy life. No. It's that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. So the psalmist is saying here, God, bless us, bless your people, bless your community, so that, or in order that, your ways can be known on earth, and that all the nations can come to know you. That's an amazing statement. So the psalmist is saying here that as we as God's people come into a close relationship with him and function as the body, the nations are going to come to know him. 
Now, how does that work? Well, as God blesses us, the nations are going to see that. They will see that, recognize that, and say, that's where blessing is. Their God is the true God. Their God is the God who blesses. And they're going to come to him and turn to him. So that, that concern in verse 2 is expressed in verse 3, may all the peoples praise you, O God. And this is the psalmist's desire. And that's one of the things that um, surprised me as I was looking at Psalm 67. You read verse 1 and you think, well, this is just the natural desire that everyone has for blessing. But it's a much bigger picture than that. The psalmist's real desire is, may the peoples know you. May all the peoples praise you, O God. The desire for the nations to come to know God and to praise him. And that's what the goal of blessing is. As God blesses us, the nations will see that and come to that same God of blessing. Well, then you can ask, so what, what is this? God, is, his, is he an egomaniac? All he wants is everyone to bless and praise him? Well, no, that's not the way it works. God desires our best. And our best comes when? Our best comes when we are linked up with reality, with truth. And who is reality and who is truth? God. And when we are linked up with God, then we find a life that is meaningful and full and blessed. And that is what the psalmist desires. But when we aren't linked up with God, we're in a life that isn't full. Back in the, the days of the psalmist, the nations around Israel were linked up with pagan gods. They were involved in immoral temple prostitutes. They had child sacrifice. They would offer their own children as sacrifices on the, the pagan offering places. And the psalmist is desiring them to, to come to know the real God, the God of blessing. And that's why he desires them to praise God. That they might know the God of justice, the God of holiness, the God of love. And as they do that, verse 4 comes into to reality. May the nations be glad and sing for joy. As they get to know the true God, the God of justice, the God of holiness, the God of truth and love, they would sing for joy, for you rule the peoples justly and guide the nations of the earth. That's the psalmist's desire, for all the people to come to know him. Well, the psalm then goes on in the next three verses it ends as it starts. You'll see that verse 5 and verse 3 are exactly the same. And so it, it comes to a crescendo in verse 4. May all the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you rule the peoples justly and guide the nations of the earth. And then it 
repeats the thinking, the thought pattern of 1 to 3 in verses 5 to 7. May all the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. Then the land will yield its harvest, and God, our God, will bless us. God will bless us, and all the ends of the earth will fear him. So again, that same idea is God blesses us, that blessing is going to flow out to the ends of the earth and to the nations. Now, the question is, did that really happen? Or is this just an idea expressed in one psalm, in one book in the Old Testament? Or was this something that actually happened? Do we see this happening in the Old Testament? Well, that's what I'd like us to, to look at the rest of our time this morning and see, did this actually happen? So we're going to, going to look at some Old Testament passages that show this taking place. So we'll go first and look at, um, look at how God started his plan for salvation. As I mentioned already, when God called Abraham, and way in the beginning in Genesis 12, God called Abraham. And the Lord said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's house, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So God calls Abram, renames him Abraham, and says, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to give you a land. And through you, all nations will be blessed. Through you, all people will be blessed. Then what does God do? God calls him and tells him to go to the land he's going to give him. And that is Palestine, the land of Canaan. Now, I, don't have a, I should have a map up here, but I don't have that. So you're going to have to imagine. Here's a map. And... Here is Europe up to the north, and down to the south is Africa, and over to your right is Asia, and right in the middle is the Middle East. So Abram was born in Ur of the Chaldees. Ur of the Chaldees is in modern-day Iraq, and God told him, told him to go from there, that's over here somewhere, to go from there over to the Middle East, to um, right next to the Mediterranean around Jerusalem, Palestine, to go there. Between those two places is desert. So Abram had to go up north and then come back down south because you can't go between those two. Now, that was a very significant place God told him to go to, Israel. Um, just look at the next passage. Ezekiel 5.5, 5. this is what the Sovereign Lord says. This is Jerusalem, which I have set in the center of the nations with countries all around her. In the, the, the world at that time, 
Jerusalem was the center of the nations. You had Europe up in north, Africa down to the south, Asia over to the east. And if you wanted to go to a from Asia over to Africa, you had to go through Israel. If you wanted to go from Africa up to Europe, you had to go through Israel. Now, I, I often tell a story to illustrate this. We were working in a, in a city called Kushtia in Bangladesh. And at the time, our mission was uh, involved in a development project to improve farming. So we were trying to help the local farmers by providing them improved vegetable seeds. So we, would, we were wanting to sell them some improved vegetable seeds, but they didn't want to buy them. Because they thought, if we buy these seeds and we plant them and they don't turn out well, we'll lose our whole crop and it'll be a disaster. We can't risk it. So what did we do? Well, what we did was we rented a plot of ground, we leased it, and then we planted those seeds. We planted those seeds, and the seeds came up, and they were beautiful vegetables, cauliflower and carrots and cabbage and different, different vegetables. And then what happened? The farmers walked by that leased plot. Wow, look at those vegetables. And what did they do then? They came to us. And where can we get seeds for vegetables like that? Well, we could sell them to you. So people started coming to us to buy the seeds. That was a, a model garden. Now, where do you put a model garden like that? You put it out in the jungle in the middle of nowhere, or do you put it on a main road? You put it on a main road so everybody can see it. Now, God has his model people. And where is he going to put his model people? Is he going to put it out in the middle of nowhere, in Ur the Chaldees, off on the side, in the desert? Or is he going to put it right in the middle of the inhabited world, right in the middle, where everybody can see it. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. This is Jerusalem, which I have set in the center of the nations with countries all around her. God has put his, his special people, special not because God loves them more than he loves the nations, but because they are the people through whom that love is going to flow out to the nations. And God has put them right in the middle of the world so everybody can see. Now, did that, did that happen? Well, let's look at a few examples. And again, it's just a few. There's lots of examples. And if you want to do an, an interesting um, study... As you read through the Bible, write down by everywhere it talks about the nations in the Old Testament, just put an N. That's what I did. I just put in a, on the side an N. Everywhere it talked about God's concern for the nations. I was amazed at how many places in the Old Testament 
it talks about God's concern for the nations. So let's look at the next passage. This is Joshua as they're going into the promised land. And they're going to take Jericho, and the people in Jericho are terrified. They're very afraid. And this is what um, Rahab says. Before the spies lay down for the night, Rahab went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given this land to you and that the great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. Now this is Rahab, Rahab the prostitute in Jericho. And consider this, the things that she's talking about. When you came out of Egypt, when you crossed the Red Sea on dry land, she probably wasn't even born when that happened. That was 40 years ago. But she has heard it because God blessed his people. What an incredible happening when the, the most powerful nation on earth at that time, Egypt, was humbled and brought to submission by a group of slaves because their God was blessing them. And this went around the world. This is in another country 40 years later, and they know about it. And they recognize that your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. And Rahab says, I want to follow your God because your God is the true God. What an incredible story or of showing that reality of the people seeing God's blessing and then coming to worship him. Well, that's one. There's, I've got four different illustrations of this. And what I want us to see out of this is that the stories in the Old Testament, that often we assume, well, it's beautiful pictures for example, let's, let's look at the next one. Um, David and Goliath. And what do we usually think of when we think of stories like David and Goliath or Daniel? We think of how when we trust in God and rely on him, God rescues us and blesses us. And that's as far as we go. But there's another step that we need to go. When we trust and rely on God, he blesses us, he saves us, but the point of that is not only for our good, but that others can see it, the nations can see it, and recognize that the God of Israel, the God of whoever, is the true God. So let's take the story of David and Goliath. David said to the Philistine, to Goliath, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. And the next one, 
This day the Lord will hand you over to me, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. Today I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. The point of it was God was being dishonored, and now as God acts and shows his might, the whole world is going to know the reality that this God, the God of Israel, is the true God. And that they will come to him in worship. Let's go on. Another, another instance of this, the Queen of Sheba. This is later. David became king. Then Solomon, his son, takes over the rule. And if you remember the, the story where God asks Solomon what he wants, and God blesses him with wisdom. Solomon asks for wisdom to be able to rule justly, and God gives it to him. Gives him wisdom and also material prosperity. And that blessing of God goes out around the world, and everybody is amazed at Solomon's wisdom and his prosperity. And now the Queen of Sheba is coming from probably somewhere around Ethiopia up to Israel to check out what she's heard. Is this possibly true? When the Queen of Sheba heard about the fame of Solomon and his relation to the name of the Lord, and again, she recognized that this is because of God's blessing, his relation to this God. She came to test him with hard questions. So this is verse 1. Now she comes, she examines, she questions him, she looks around at the kingdom, and this is her conclusion at the end. In verse 6 to 7, she said to the king, The report I heard in my own country about your achievements and wisdom is true, but I didn't believe these things until I came and saw with my own eyes. Indeed, not even half was told me. In wisdom and wealth, you far exceeded the report I heard. How happy your men must be. How happy your officials who continually stand before you and hear your wisdom. Praise be to the Lord your God who has delighted in you and placed you on the throne of Israel. Because of the Lord's eternal love for Israel, he's made you king to maintain justice and righteousness. So here is the queen of Sheba recognizing that this is God's blessing. And this is what God has done. And their God is the, the true God in the world. Now, was that only the Queen of Sheba? Well, it, it goes on to say, King Solomon was greater in riches and wisdom than all the other kings of the earth. And the whole world sought audience with Solomon to hear the wisdom God had put in his heart. So the whole world is coming to Solomon because they've heard of how the God of Israel is blessing. What an incredible picture of God's working. So again and again, we see that happening. And even later on, after, after the Solomon dies, and the, the kingdoms is divided into two parts, Israel to the north and Judah to the south. 
and both sides turn away, eventually, even when they go into exile, it says um, the nations are going to know that you are God because you have exiled your people for their disobedience. So in their obedience and blessing, they're going to be recognized, and in their disobedience even, they're going to be recognized that this is God's action in sending them into exile for their disobedience. Well, I hope that you're able to see what seemed to me so clear as I was reading through the Old Testament, that Psalm 67 is the psalmist's summary of what's going on in the Old Testament and what should be going on now. That as we come into a living relationship with God and as he blesses us, that that knowledge is seen by the nations, by the peoples around us, by our neighbors, people next door. And they are curious. They want to find out about that. Well, how does that, again, how does that relate to us? We're not children of Abraham. We're not part of the descendants of him, the people of Israel. So how does that relate to us? Well, what does Apostle Paul say in Galatians? He says, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. This is the same promise that was given to Abraham when God said, I will bless you and all nations will be blessed through you. That promise. And we are heirs according to that promise, through Christ, through our relationship with him. So what does that mean? That means that as God's people, as part of God's people throughout history, you and I are part of that promise, that God wants to bless his people through us. And that's what God is wanting to do through you and me. As we come to a living relationship with him, as we obey him and find our meaning and joy in him, our neighbors, our relatives, our friends are going to see that. And they're going to come to, come to him through us. And God wants to use each one of us in that same way. And that's been something that we have seen now in Bangladesh as well as in America here. See it in Bangladesh when people follow God, have a living relationship with God, have a peace with God. In Bangladesh, that is such a... Um, something that everyone notices when you have peace. Because in... In Islam, Bangladesh is a 90% Muslim country. And within Islam, salvation comes through the law. You obey the law and you hope you've done enough. But the problem is, with the law, you never know whether you've done enough. So, I often, 
I often think when I think of the law, I think of a, a family that we know very well. He was uh, the principal in a, in a college in that same town that we lived in when we, we had that, um, the garden plot, Kushtia, the city of Kushtia, and he was principal of Kushtia College. And his mother is now very old. And the last time we were visiting them, he was stressing, please pray for my mother. She's terrified. She's so fearful. She's afraid of death. She spends all her time reading the Quran and praying, hoping she's done enough. But she doesn't know whether she's done enough. And what a testimony it is when a, a person comes to know Christ and to realize that he has fulfilled the law for me, that I don't need to keep the law for God to accept me that Jesus has paid for me and that God has accepted me as I am. And I, I know him and I know that I'm in relationship with him and when I die, I'm going to be his. And eternal life has started now. And what a, what a tremendous testimony that is to people there. Well, I think that's a, a beautiful picture of what God is wanting to do in our lives here in Chaska and what God is wanting to do in Bangladesh. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning and we thank you for your amazing plan a plan that began before the creation of the world when you called Abram, made him your, your person and the head of the nation that would be known as your people. And then you sent Christ to bring us into that same people. Father, we thank you that you desire to bless us. You desire that blessing to flow out to the people around us, to the nations, to the different countries, to our neighbors, to our relatives, to our friends. Thank you that you are a God of blessing, and that blessing is for all people, and that you want us to be your conduits a blessing to the world. We thank you for that love, that goodness, and that grace. In Jesus' name, amen.